0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the March 17th, 2015 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nahum Segal Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report generally comes to you every Sunday night at 7pm, as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7pm right here on the Nahum Segal Network. But now that we are in championship season, it's every Tuesday night with The Encore on Sunday night. Every week, we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. You can friend me on Facebook. You can send me a message. My name is Elliot Weisselberg, that's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G, or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is yls Guy. that's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y, because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Ashiva League for over a decade and and if you've won a championship and there are now four new champions uh you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship so please give mike larry and the entire gang a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official analyst, but most of all, like you, I'm a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week right here on The Court Report. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our episodes from last season and this season. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice, much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, disrespecting players or coaches. Please be courteous enough to do the same. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Court Report. Thanks for listening in on the Sequel Network. Great to have you here. Uh, what an amazing, amazing 10 days of action. The last 10 days have been a whirlwind, starting last week with the JVM Varsity Hockey Championships, winding up this past Sunday with the JVN Varsity Basketball Championships at the Maxstone Athletic Center. Just the last 10 days have sort of been a culmination of the Yeshiva League season, and it's sort of said that we're only Almost at our end, you know the fact that we finished up the Yeshiva League season for the most part. There's still one or two championship games left in uh, in the high schools, and a couple of championships left in the junior high schools. Even though we don't cover it, but that's still left. Sarachek still left. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the what happened this past Sunday at the uh, at the Max Brown Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva Sheen- University, the JV, the varsity basketball championships. I'm going to have an interview with the broadcast duo that uh, that managed to broadcast the two uh, the two games this week as well as the two games last week. J Aaron and Ari Witkus uh, they the two of them did a phenomenal job covering those games and not only that but also some games leading up to it, including the Saturn tournament and some of the Hafter games. They're a hilarious duo. So if you get a chance, go go back and take a listen to to their game. I'm sure you can still catch it on live stream. I'm sure it's still up. After that, we'll uh, we'll cover a little bit. We we'll We'll cover a little bit of hockey in that in that. Uh Conversation as well, just so the hockey fans don't think that just because the season's over that we're done discussing hockey. We're going to cover some of the championship games from last week. We'll get their take on that, and then afterwards, after the conversation, I'll just give you a little bit of the preview for uh, for the Sarat tournament that starts this Thursday at the Maxford Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva University. If you get the chance, go out and take a uh, take a couple of those games in. Always a great Uh, Always a great great show to watch. But let's get started on the stuff that matters to our league, and that is the JVM Varsity Championship Games. We're going to start off with the first game of the day, the JV Championship Game. As of last week's court report, we knew that Frisch would be a a participant of the JV Championship game, but we did not know who their opponent would be. That would come down to the battle between SAR and MTA in SAR last Tuesday night. The Lions jumped out early as SAR did not record a field goal for the first seven minutes of the game, during which time MTA had amassed a 9-5 lead thanks to Arya Halpert's five points, SAR's only bucket, a three-pointer by Dovey Marcus, while MTA carried an 11-5 lead into the second In that period, the offense slowed down a bit with SAR matching their first quarter production and outscoring the Lions by one to close the deficit ever so slightly to a 15-10 halftime score. In the third, Daniel Wozocki opened up the quarter, knocking down the first four points of the half on two free throws and a rebound put back to to close the deficit to one. A Josh Klein free throw would push the lead back out to two, and MTA would score the next four, but a Marcus three from the corner would cut the margin in half. The Lions would answer back with buckets by Yehuda Colton and Yehuda Buckbinder to stretch the MTA lead back out to 7. It would seem that this would be the margin at the break, but an inexplicable foul, 60 feet from the basket as time ran out on the half, would put Adam Dietz at the line for 3 shots, of which he'd hit 2, to bring the score to 24-19, to cutting out of the 3rd quarter. In the 4th, the lead would stretch to 9, and it looked as if the Lions would be primed to repeat their feat from earlier this season, and bookend SAR season with losses, as the Lions were the only team to knock off the sting this season. Uh, and that happening the first game of the year. With 4.50 to go, MTA held a 30-21 to lead. What happened over the next three and a half minutes would turn the game on its head. Marcus would add two free throws. Wozowski would add one. Hank Stein would hit a three. And with 1.22 to go, Wozowski would nail a three to tie the game at 30-30. to The game would stay that way for quite some time, and I mean quite some time, as we would go to overtime and double overtime And triple overtime still tied at 30. But in the third overtime, Wazotsky would hit a free throw to finally score a point and give SAR a 1 0 lead. Uh, Oh, wait, this isn't hockey. I mean a 31 30 lead. And when it rains, it pours. MTA came down the other end and, on a buckbinder put in, took a 32 31 lead. With 1.56 to go, MTA looked to be in control. But Wazotsky would strip the MTA guard of the ball, take it down the floor, and lay it in for a 33 32 margin. The score would remain that way for the next minute and a half. MTA would have the ball for the last 30 seconds, would look to find a shot, but was forced to throw up a deep three from the corner that clanked off the rim and away as SAR would look forward to a rematch of their overtime game with the Fresh Cougars. From the first few minutes of this championship game, you knew the game would be a scorer's dream and a coach's worst defensive nightmare. The two teams combined for 45 points in the first quarter alone, with Frisch leading most of the way and taking a 24-21 lead into the break on 12 year Solomon points, including 6 straight to regain the lead 14-10 after SAR had wrestled the lead away at 10-6 on a Wazotsky 3, 3 of his 10 in the quarter, and a Marcus 2-on-1 lay-in. The second quarter saw the game set down just a bit, but the scoring kept coming as Frisch found a new go-to guy in Sammy Fishman. Fishman used his size to angle himself to the inside of the lane and received the ball four times over the defender's head and laid it in for eight of Frisch's 16 points in the quarter. He would be matched stride for stride by Wazotsky, though, who landed eight of his own, and despite Frisch controlling the better of the play, S.A.R. was only down... 40-36 going into the break. It would have been more, but Wazotsky, the hero of the first half for the Sting, with 14 seconds to go, drained an awkward-looking an awkward-looking three, then shrugged to the MSAC crowd, as if to say, I'm not quite sure how I did that either. All in all, having Wazotsky score 18 points in the first half, I don't think the Sting fans in attendance were really complaining about how he hit the shot. In the third... Frisch would continue to push the pace, but S.A.R. would find answers in the form of Dovey Marcus. S.A.R.'s inside presence would find his range from outside as well, dropping 9 points on the quarter, but it would not be enough to close the gap, as Frisch would outscore the Sting 17-13 to in the third quarter of play, with a more spread-out effort, including Isaac Lafer continuing to distribute assists like candy and drop 4 points of his own. With Sammy Fishman on the bench in and fam- in foul trouble, Mark Bromowicz became the new go-to guy, scoring five points on the quarter. In the fourth, though, this thing would show exactly why they were the top-seeded team in the West. A Ozotsky jumper and a Sammy Sokol putback would cut the lead to four, but for Frisch, the news would get worse. A minute later, Fishman would foul out. Stein and Slatsky would each go one of two from the line to trim the lead to two for SAR. Lafer would strip the ball at midcourt for Frisch and lay it in to put the lead back to four, but Slatsky would make two more foul shots, and an entry pass to Marcus, who laid it in and drew the foul, and would hit the foul shot, and with 1.57 to go, S.A.R. held the lead at 60-59. to The next minute would belong to the big men. Abramowitz dropped the bucket for Frisch, then Marcus for S.A.R., then Abramowitz again for Frisch, and then Marcus would hit one of two from the line, and with 19 seconds to go in the game, it was tied. Frisch would have possession, and the ball would stay in the hands of point guard Isaac Lafer, who drove the lane and with 1.5 to go, was fouled. Lafer would go to the line and miss the first shot. S.A.R. would take a timeout to try to ice Lafer, but when he got back to the line, he drained it, and with no timeouts to go, S.A.R. inbounded the ball and tried a desperation heave, but to no avail, as Frisch would pull off the upset, defeating the Sting 64-63. to Marcus and Wazotsky led all scorers for S.A.R. with 26 and 22 respectively, but it was a team effort for Frisch, with Solomon dropping 16, Fishman with 14, and Abramowitz and MVP Isaac LaFer adding 9 apiece. Outside of the 2 for SAR that I just mentioned, only one player had more than 3 points on the game. Congratulations to Coach Dovey Foreman and Frisch on the victory. Moving over to Varsity, as of last week's show, neither finalists had been determined, but Tuesday night turned out to be massive, with four different combinations for Sunday's finals, each carrying its own intriguing storylines. It would be interesting to see which would emerge. Both games on the night featured late comebacks with different results, as North Shore held a 10-point lead just before the half, and DRS a 6-point lead with 4.30 to go in the game. In Frisch, the Cougars chipped away at the lead, and with 1.50 to go, held a three. 3- advantage and looked primed to create a rematch of the 2013 JV Championship game. For both of those teams though, North Shore and Frisch, the wheels fell off the wagon. DRS comes back and a Zev Benami drains a jumper with eight seconds to go to lift DRS over Frisch and Hafter behind a recuperated AB Perlow and Jonathan Greenberg came back to drop the stars by two and so we wound up with yet another installment of the greatest rivalry in Yeshiva League sports today, DRS and Hafter. One week after the two met in the hockey championship, the schools met up again in the MSAC with the hockey trophy and needling on full display. For Hafter, in the first quarter, the offense was 2. Max Rosner opened up the scoring, followed by a Michael Weissman 3 and a Jonathan Greenberg free throw, and within the first two minutes, Hafter had opened up a 6 nothing lead that would be stretched out to a ten-one one margin before DRS finally closed the gap a little. All five Hafter starters scored in the quarter, with Sammy Mandel leading the charge with 5. Three DRS players put in field goals, as Hafter took a 15-7 lead into the break. In the second, more of the same, Weissman, held in check by two fouls, still contributed offensively, hitting two field goals while Mandel dropped two threes to bring the two, uh, to bring the two of them to 10 of Hafter's 14 points in the quarter. On the DRS, and slow going for most of the team, but after a non-existent first quarter, star big man Gabriel Leifer put in five points to lead the way for the Cats. But DRS still worked the first half at a deficit and fell behind 29-17 going into the break into the second half. Much like in the JV game, the third quarter was simply about two players. For DRS, it was about lifer. The big man dropped nine points in a stretch that saw DRS turn a 12-0 run after half Hafter started out the quarter on an 8-1 run of their own to cut the lead from 19 at 37-18 to only 7 at 37-30. But with five seconds left in the half, Weissman, having drilled two three-pointers to start the half off, took the ball in the corner and calmly drained a 3 to put an end to the DRS run, push the lead back two double digits, and take the momentum into the fourth quarter for Hafter. In the fourth, though, Hafter seems to slow down the pace and tighten a bit, and Leifer took the opportunity to bring his team back into it. Down 42-36, to Leifer scores four for DRS, while Hafter countered with two from the charity stripe, the only place they received points from in the fourth quarter of play, not hitting a field goal in the entire eight-minute stretch. With one hundred twenty four to go, Yehuda Schein looked to get the ball to Lifer. Lifer sensing a double team sent it right back to Shine, who drained a three to cut the lead to one possession, forty six to forty three after. Perlau would hit 1 of 2 from the line to bring the lead to 4, but Lifer, Le- but with 34 seconds to go, as he'd done most of the second half, bullied his way into a bank shot off the glass to bring it down to a 2-point game. 15 seconds later, Perlau would hit 1 of 2 from the line, with Shine fouling out for DRS, and so with Hafter up 3, the game was still very much up in the air, with the Wildcats having possession. Given how the night went, it was no stretch to say that the ball would wind up in the hands of Gabriel Leifer. Unfortunately for him, everyone knew it, including Jonathan Greenberg, who with nine seconds left stripped the ball from Leifer's hands and was fouled. Greenberg would nail both shots as Hafter pulled home their first basketball championship since 2002. Ironically, that same year, Hafter also doubled up as varsity hockey champions, making Hafter now the first school to do so since, well, themselves, 13 years ago. Lifer would finish with 22 points for the Wildcats, but it would be the hot shooting of Hafters Weissman and Mandel that wove through this game, dropping 16 and 14 respectively. So... Unlike the hockey championships, the biggest factor here was not a DRS transfer, as Perlau finished with eight, although a very big presence in the game surely taking DRS's focus away from other areas, but even they couldn't have anticipated that the game would be one after on the wings. Uh, to get a little perspective on the afternoon, and a little bit about last week's hockey championship, I sat down with the broadcasters for the four games that were played in the last two weeks uh, for both the JV and varsity hockey and basketball championships, that being Jay Iron and our And here's how our conversation went. I'm here with the eyes and the ears of the JV and Varsity Hockey and Basketball Championships. Jay Aaron and Ari Witkus, they have decided to join me on my program today, uh, although I'm using their setup for the program, so I thank you guys both for allowing me to use your equipment to get this interview done. I decided, instead of listening to me for a full 60 minutes, we're going to get the perspective of the guys who called the games live. For those of you that watched on the live stream that, uh, that the Yeshiva League put up uh, through the MYHSAL website, uh, so guys, we're here sitting here in the Maxwell Athletic Center at the end of the basketball championship. So just overall, guys, how was your day?
1: Well, wow. I'll, I'll start uh, Ari Wickers here. It was just a, an unbelievable day. We saw really probably the four best teams in each of their respective uh, leagues, the, the Frisch Cougars and this SAR Sting and JV, and they put on a classic game, which uh, I believe the end of the game, the score was about 65-64, the one-point victory for Frisch. Um, it was it was a great job, and, um, you know, Frisch really... Uh, plays a high, fast-paced offense. And what they did is they sped up the game. They made S.A.R. really have to keep up with them and expand it to a 10-point lead. And then, you know, S.A.R. had some great players, and Dovey Marcus and uh, Daniel Wasotsky, I believe, came back and made it a game. And then, you know, the ending was uh, back-and-forth action with uh, Isaac for hitting a, a foul shot to put the game uh, away with a one-point victory for Fresh.
2: Yeah, I think what you saw uh, out of the second game was a lot of the same. Uh, Jay Aaron here essentially... Hafter came out firing they hit a lot of their shots early DRS was misfiring Uh, you know Hafter said in their game plan we're going to do our best job to take out Lifer which is a tall task and at the end of the game proved impossible but next thing you know you come out of halftime it was a 12-point game shortly into the third period Hafter had a 19-point lead and then DRS was essentially playing catch-up they did a a great job of converting their defense in the second half uh, started getting a lot of steals uh, but it was a little too little too late. Uh, Hafter went to the line. They had some big free throws. They didn't make them all, but they made enough. Uh, at, at one point, DRS did cut the game to two, but uh, it was already at the point where DRS was in foul mode, so they had to foul Hafter. Hafter hit some free throws, opened it back up to a two-possession game, and that was all she wrote. Ari, I think the interesting thing, and Elia, I'm sure you'll agree, as you, you know sat on the opposite side of the gym and had a good look at it, is both games were very, very similar.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, Right, right.
2: You you know, you saw a team. I think the Frisch game was a lot more evenly matched, although the shooting in that game from both teams, these are going to be two great varsity. And Frisch had a great varsity team this year. They probably should have been in this game, but they lost the DRS in in a shocking semifinal matchup. These are going to be some great shooters moving up onto varsity. Yeah, uh, you're you know,
1: actually what you said, Jay. It's true. Next year, you may see rematches of both games. I mean, uh, this SAR had had two freshman starters. Frisch had had more sophomores, but they have a good incoming class, and they also have they always have a good program there. And in varsity, DRS and Hafter were, were mainly junior-led teams. I mean, John Greenberg was a big senior they'll be missing, and Michael Weissman for Hafter,
0: but uh, most,
1: also. no parallels a junior.
0: Right. Oh, I thought you, right. Yeah, no, I'm
1: talking me. about just the half they're missing, going to be missing, too. Yeah. So they're going to have, and DRS you know, brings back pretty much all their, the integral part of their team, especially right. the sensational Gabriel Lifer. So you know, they're going to be two of the top teams again uh, coming up next year.
0: Okay, so I just want to talk about the games in turn, like I promised my hockey fans last week. We are going to go through the two games we did today, and then we're going to go back to last week just a little bit and touch on those. So starting with the JV game in turn, as you you guys went over uh, in a little bit of an overview, let's get a little more in-depth. First half, Frisch, you stole Solomon, 12 points, including six in a row uh, in the inside game. uh, Sorry, uh, and then you had... Uh, the inside game of Sammy Fishman, who it seemed like S.A.R. had no answer for in the first 16 minutes. On the other side, you had S.A.R. You had Wisotsky, as you said, 18 points, including 8 of 10 from the line. Who was, which, which of the three elements was more important to their team for that first half start?
1: Well, I think, I think the, the big key, the, the big standout, uh, no pun intended, was Sammy Fishman he was just he was unstoppable down low and they had a great play coach foreman having uh, i believe it was turner getting the ball in the high post dumping it down low to sammy fishman he was great at finishing around the basket uh, he used his left hand right hand equally as well and he just took high percentage shots and when you are six foot four in the JV level, it makes it a little easier. But he, it was great ball movement, and it was, it was he was probably the standout in the first half. In the second half, I think it was the defense, the defense by by Isaac Leifer and Israel Solomon that really you know clamped down and then you know just thwarted uh, the S A R offense.
2: Yeah, and you saw a lot of heart out of S A R. That's the one thing we talked about. You know. Um, I haven't gotten the exact measurements of everybody's court, but what we know in this gym specifically is this is the biggest court that anyone's going to play on. It's a full size mm-hmm. college gym. Um, you know, I don't know if it's the. Le- I mean, the length is certainly bigger, but the width, the the width of this court is tremendous. And you yeah, saw right. a lot of fatigue set in in the which, second which half of the game, even amazing more for Frisch because they pressed the
1: whole entire game. So you know, they're nice an up team. Yeah, they play. And they scored. You know, at halftime or end of first quarter, they weren't pace for 100 points. Yeah, they had <laughs> 24 yeah, points. As I'm a yeah, little, so, they really do.
0: This, this JV game did not make uh, any defensive-minded coaches happy. No, we right. s-
2: we said that throughout the game. You, you know, you combine two things. It's guys knocking down. Because I think the team they probably shot 85. I mean, we didn't have the scoreboard here, but 85 percent in the first. I mean, it was nobody right. was missing a shot. But then at the same time, not the, only layups, not, they were outside yeah, shots. Yeah, but, I mean, but shot. Listen, you make a three-pointer, you clap your hands. Uh, I mean. It's hard to make three-pointers in this game, but none of the shots were contested at all. Uh, They're wide-open layups, wide-open 10-footers, wide-open threes. Uh, To me, the story of this game, though, was the second half. I think Frisch had an opportunity probably to open the game up a little more, kind of like what Hafter did in the second game, and they didn't. Um, You know, They went into stall mode in the third quarter, as we talked about. Uh, right, these teams, they, they change their game plans. They, what, what got them there in their big leads. they
1: kind of just, and it's like Coach Honig said when we interviewed him after the varsity championship, you know, they're kids, so they get, you know, they're like, okay, we're up, we don't want to mess up, as, as opposed to, you know, professional and college players, they still play their game, and they know what to do. But what was key in the second half for SAR was uh, Dovey Marcus. Oh, Yeah, that yeah he, was, a he was phenomenal. I mean, he was, you know, he hit some unbelievable, he, was, he had a great mid-range game. He hit a couple threes, but he has just such great body control, and he really knows how to position himself to get a good shot, similar to Gabriel Eifer and varsity, who is just, you know, yeah, his unstoppable I mean, force. Marcus
2: had some great footwork. Um, we saw him practically doubled over. And then at the end of the game, making everything. You know, the hardest thing to do when you're tired is making free throws because it's such a rhythm thing. You know, you do it over and over and over in practice. When you you lose your legs and you can't bend your legs and you can't bend your knees and get that push that you need, you know, you start shooting short, and he made everything at the end of the game. Everything. It just... Wasn't right. Him.
1: He would have been the hero till the last uh, shot by uh, for the foul shot.
0: Right on that point in the third, Marcus came alive with nine points. What was more important for SAR uh, for him to get his inside game going or his outside game going?
1: I think his inside game going because they didn't have much. Although Sokol is a big kid, freshman for SAR, they didn't have much offense down low. And they needed to open up the paint a little. And that's what Marcus did by driving. And then they had some kids who were spotting up and hitting some three point shots. I don't think SAR hit many threes in the second half. I think it was more so in the first half where they had kids uh, hit some big shots. Also, who was very impressive was uh, um, number 30, the point guard for SAR, right, for Slotsky. Slotsky. Yeah. He, he was, I mean, he was great. He, he handled the press very well. And also, he was a spark plug on offense. He had a big it's, steal after a foul shot. He did very well. Is he
2: a sophomore? I'm, I'm not sure. I yeah, I that. mean, one, one thing, at, at that level, at the JV level, and I commented on it during the game, he is a great ball handler. He's, he's elusive. Um, I think he might dribble the ball a little bit too high. You'd probably like to see a point guard dribble it a little bit lower. And as he gets to the varsity level and he's more contested on defense, that might come into play, maybe, I don't know. But, you know, I'm sure he's going to go work on his game over the summer too. <laughs> so even if he is a sophomore, he's going to be a, he's a great ball handler. I think... Uh, you know, and as we jump around from game to game here, Hafter um, lost their point guard today. So even though they keep their core, you know, that sort of uh, their their big core with uh, you know Ab Mincha Perperlau, they lose their point guard. So uh, you know, it's it's unknown who's going to replace him next year. Whereas SAR moving up, you know, they have a great point guard, and that's where that's where I think the game starts because you saw in both games, very specifically with Frisch and. and You know, W. Foreman, to his credit, came up here after the game and said it himself. You know, he said, my guys started playing not to lose. um, And that's the worst way to play basketball. And the the first person that could stop that is the point guard, obviously. You know, we commented during the half game that there were, have to be a half a dozen times, have to be, where they had the ball no more than a dribble and two steps from center court to break the timeline, and they didn't. Just looking up, lost. Mandel did it a couple times. Even Greenberg did it a couple times. Right. they they were just looking a exactly. lot of times. They you're were just looking for John Greenberg. To, you're, you're looking for a pass. You're looking not to lose. You know, as, as uh, Coach Joey Honig said, you, you know, you get nervous. These are kids. These are you know, and this is this is the Yeshiva League. It's not the NBA. This isn't the McDonald's All Stars. You know, so uh, just a lot of nerves kicked in. And it, what, what a good point guard does, and Slotsky's a, a great point guard is settles it down, makes the right play. There's no shot clock here. You know, you can hold the ball for an hour. The one thing you have to do is get the ball over the half-court line in 10 seconds. That's it. So just one
0: or two more questions before we finish up with JV. So... A little bit of a long one. SAR scores the first six points in the fourth quarter, goes on an eleven to two run to bring the game even with one forty four to go. You know, Fishman is gone with five fouls. It seems like a classic time for to fall apart. Of course we didn't
2: of course we, we, we didn't of course we were wondering why he was on the bench.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they hold it together and as luck would have it, wind up with possession and a tie game with nineteen seconds to go. Coming out of the timeout, who would you have expected the ball to go to? Solomon, who had sixteen points, you know, Bromwitz who took over in the paint when Fishman went out scoring the last four points. Or did you expect what eventually happened, layfer going uh, for the goal himself? Well, I,
1: I think what they try to do, and like we said, Jay and I didn't even realize that Fishman had fouled. How we were actually questioning why he was on the bench. But what what they did is when they had Fishman out of the game, they opened up their offense. They put like four kids around the perimeter. And what happened was layfer had him, had his man. He beat his man, and then Sokol tried to step up and, and draw a charge. And they called a, they called the blocking foul. So I think layfer made the right move. Was when in doubt, attack. Don't settle for a jump shot. And what happened was the ref called the foul, and he, he was able to hit with the foul shot. Yeah, at the end and, the game. and certainly.
2: They bring you inside coaching uh, for those who didn't hear it during the game and are listening to this report. Uh, you know we had uh, W. Foreman in here after the game. We asked him about that very play, and, and what he essentially explained was that these two teams had played each other previously mm-hmm. and were in the exact same uh-huh. situation. And the game
0: went to overtime.
1: That's right. right. Well, but it was what was fresh an opportunity, right? They admit uh, what had happened was
2: SAR had come out in a zone, if I believe, right in the in the previous meeting. W. Foreman expected a zone, and they came out in a man. Now, he said towards the end of the timeout he told his guys what to do in a man, but listen, that's not what they expected. That wasn't plan A. It was certainly plan B, and you give you know, life for all the credit uh, for just taking the ball to the basket. Uh, you know, Ellie, that's something we talk about all the time. Nothing bad happens when you take the ball to the basket. Either you score or you get fouled. I, I mean... You know, it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing to try to create, especially in this league, high percentage shots. You don't have 65% three point shooters; they, they don't exist. Um, you know, certainly guys can get hot like Mendel did for half there. But what what you really like to see on that play is is a player using his skills. Sometimes you can't coach what ends up happening on the floor. Players have to play. Lefor made the right move. Ari to my left uh, didn't like the foul call per se. You know, it's tough to see the game end like that. But we'll watch it back and see. Yeah, listen, tie game going to the foul line. You know, I'm the type of guy I don't like to see the referee change. You know, if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's a foul in the fourth quarter. I understand there's something to be said for letting them play and make the players, you know, score the points at the end of the game. But we had a pretty good look. We were on the side where it happened. It was there was a decent chunk of contact on that play, and he called a foul. And you know, he forced Lafer to make a foul shot. Of course, you know, Ellie, the ending to that game. What an ending. You put a kid on on the free throw line, you know, and this isn't isn't the, the, you know, the Cougars' den here in in Paramus, New Jersey. This is Yeshiva University, you know. For these kids, it's the best they could, it's the highest level they could ever hope to play for. Uh, And they come in here, a packed gym, people screaming. You go to the foul line with a second and a half left on the clock. Virtually, you know, even though there weren't, you know, triple zeros running across, essentially you make one and you win, and he missed the first. He missed the first, and then uh, Coach Courtney for SAR called a timeout. Ices is the guy. Uh, and also to
1: set up his offense, but, there, you know, there
2: wasn't uh 1.5 well, yeah, to go. You know, W. Foreman sends his, his, uh, his star back to the free throw line, tells him to just wait on the free throw line. Comes out. I think the ball hit the rim uh, 17 times. It's still bouncing off the rim now. As no one's going to remember this. that.
1: They're going to remember that he scored it. That's all that matters. But, is. yeah,
2: I mean, you know, what tension in the gym. And then because of an anomaly here at YU, it's kind of impossible to make a full-court shot because there's a gigantic net in the middle of the court. So if you're shooting full-court, you have to throw it high enough where uh, it's, it's basically impossible. And the ball actually got stuck up in the net at the end of the game. Right. So uh, I don't know if the teams realize that, but, you know, a second and a half. Uh, Was not going to be enough time for them to do anything.
0: So Leifert gets MVP, not the major scorer on the day scoring nine points, but certainly a factor with his defense and distribution. Definitely a worthy choice as MVP.
1: Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I mean, he he, you know, you hit that shot at the end of the game, you deserve it, even based on that. Plus, he played phenomenal defense throughout the game, and he also scored the ball. Yeah, you score, you
2: score the game winner, you get the MVP. That's how it goes. But it was
1: well deserved.
0: All right, moving on to Varsity. Varsity halfter wins 50-45. to 45. With all the inside game uh, being the story for of this year, with Perlow and Rosner, uh, do you think it would be Weissman and Mandel in the outside game leading the charge tonight?
1: No, but we, we said actually, it's funny, we said in the pregame, we said that... We, we know the superstars are going to have to play like superstars, but it's going to be the other factors, the other, the supporting cast who really affects the outcome of this game. And we said it's going to be a Rosner, Mandel, or a Weissman, or a Deutsch for, uh, for DRS. And what happened was, in the first half, uh, Muscles Mandel was knocking down threes. Weissman hit some big shots, and then. You know, A.B. had some foul trouble at the beginning, and that really uh, opened things up when they started hitting threes. They weren't able to collapse on him down in the middle. And, uh, you know, they stepped up and they hit some huge shots.
2: You know, here's one thing. If I would have set the stage for you and told you that A.B. Perlau and Michael Weissman would have two fouls in the first period, they'd both be relegated to the bench, uh, what would be the story for Hafter? You would have said they'd be losing by 10 because, if you know, Hafter probably plays the shortest bench in the league. Um, you know, they'll never run out more than seven guys, and guys number six and seven are getting, you know, scrap minutes. But you give half there all the credit in the world because with that said, and that is exactly what happened, Weissman and Perlau were in foul trouble. Um, you know, Perlau picked up his third foul early in the third. They, had a, they actually, you know, we joked about it when we first saw it until we realized that, oh, wait, that's what they're doing. They were playing offense-defense with Perlau in the third quarter of in a Nirenberg. game. Nirenberg. Yeah. yeah, right. So so Nuremberg was, was the defense and, and Perlau was the offense. Mm. Essentially, you know, for those that aren't uh, intimately familiar with it, if Hafter had an offensive play and possession, they would put Perlau in. If there was a stoppage of play when DRS went, when DRS went on offense, they would take Perlow out and substitute him with Nuremberg Of course, you know if there was a missed basket or whatever, you know Perlow would have to stay in. But um, that was their only choice because they foul trouble. But you give them all the credit in the world. Half there, uh, they played like a team today. And the, the two teams that lost to half on on their road to victory, um, you know that would be North Shore and, and uh, North Shore Hill. Well, and, and DRS. But I'm, Sorry, I'm I talking. Yeah, no, no. I'm talking about North Shore specifically and um, North Shore and DRS today they had two absolute superstars on their team, Cody Cohen and uh, Leifer for DRS. What you saw is that the team had to rely on them too much, and the play of this game at the end of the game for Hafter is... I mean, the whole gym knew that Leifer was getting the ball. The problem was that... You know, half their manned up their defense, and Leifer caught the ball outside the three-point line. Right, and he kept not it low, and team.
1: John Greenberg just ripped it right out of his arms. I mean, not not any fault to, to Leifer, He couldn't even see. But it's really hard when the stars of the game for J.B. are Lafer and then the star for the, the other team is Leifer.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, who, they who really got up? I mean, we, we got to get the an extra thing.
0: Speaking of Lafer, it <laughs> seemed like half strategy in the first half was to contain Leifert. A lot of double-teaming going, and for the most part, it worked, only uh, keeping him to five points uh, all in that second quarter. But in the second half, he explodes for 17 more points. What was the difference?
2: I think Haftar got. I mean, honestly, I think Hafter got lucky in the first half because Lifer makes tough shots. shots. Yeah, Lifer makes tough shots, and the fact is, Haftar dinged him up, and you give him credit for D'ing him up. But Lifer just missed everything. So if he was going to make, it seemed like everybody was missing everything. Just
1: yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, also, I also I also think in the second half, Lifer just. Just took over. He just willed it. He got the ball, and he just uses his body so well. And we saw this in the Saturn tournament. He kisses it off the glass so nicely. He either left side, right side. I mean, he just you know he's not fast. He's in control, and he just knows how to position himself and get good shots. And, and I think the second half, yeah. he just he just took
2: over. He just wanted to. He willed his team to as far as they can go. And what you say, you know, what you say is also looking at Lifer in, in the in the first half versus the second half. Like you said, he made shots uh, in the second half that he wasn't making in the first, but. What they did right, DRS, which just didn't pay off for them in the end, is even with them missing shots, they got Hafter into foul trouble, as we talked about. Hafter had, I believe, 11 fouls in the first half or something yeah, like a lot, that. A lot of fouls. Uh, you know, they were in the double bonus in the first half. And, you know, when when the game comes down to the line, you only get five fouls in, in high school. So, it, you know, that could have been the game plan. I mean, A.B. Perlow was a foul from fouling out. Mike Weiss was a foul from fouling out. It just didn't happen. The game came down to essentially a possession. So things really could have gone differently, you know, in this game if one or two baskets fall the wrong way, even though there was a 19-point lead at one point for for Hafter. So bigger saving grace for Hafter.
0: And I'm going to take it back to the end of the third quarter for my first option. Talking a couple seconds left. DRS has put together a huge. I believe it was a 12-1
1: run. 12 nothing run. 12 yeah, nothing run. They're up by 19. They cut it.
0: Clocks running down. Quarter in the corner, right near us. Yep. Michael Weissman drains a three. Right. That sends was the big. run goes so into the big. goes into the quarter with momentum, and it brings the lead up to ten. Which is bigger? Obviously, we see we know because of what happened at the end of the game. But bigger play to keep to keep Hafter in control. Yeah, you know that one, or the play on Lifer at the end by Greenberg.
1: Well, I think I think the Weissman shot was enormous because that just it stopped the bleeding and it showed after that, you know, exhale a little. We have, we're still up by 10. We have eight minutes to go. They're going to have to score a lot of baskets to cut away at this lead. And, you know, that really also it was another kid besides Greenberg or Perlal who, who actually took a shot. You know, most of the kids like Mandel was a little more hesitant in the second half. Max Rosner was hesitant. And, you know, Weissman up to that point was as well. So I think that shot really it, it let them breathe a little. Let them see that, you know, they, they got a big basket, and that was the beauty of building that big lead is that even if they chip away, if you hit a basket here or there, it's very hard to come back from.
2: And, you know, you talk about deja vu. Uh, for those who didn't see it, of course, our live streams are available online. You can go back and watch them and relive all these moments. But Hafner was in a very similar situation the other way. Last week, uh, when they played their semifinal game against North Shore, They were getting, they played their worst quarter of the year in the second quarter of that game. And then going into halftime, Muscles Mandel comes down. Right. Hafter was down by 10. Hits a buzzer beater to put Hafter down by only seven going into the locker room. And listen, they weren't winning; they didn't tie the game. But seven is very different than ten when you go into that and locker you, and room. And you get, and like you said, uh, Ellie, you have momentum.
0: What's I think it's. I don't mean to interrupt. I think it's just been their mo all year. I've been to several Hafter games this year, the, and I'm going to say the first one was the game that they played in the Barclays Center against Flappush, where Flappush went up by the same margin, I believe, ten. Right. And then at and then to to. To go into the half, they also hit a three at the end of the half to to cut it down to seven. It seems like Hafter's Hefner, M.O. really was just keep it, you know, just keep it, keep it uh, with, within reason, and get us back to a point where we have momentum going into the next half, and we can take it over. Right, and We, you, we yes. can do
1: that when you're talented, and they have a lot of talent, you know, between A, B, and a one-two one, punch, which most teams don't have. A lot of teams have a superstar. But when you have a kid like A.B. Perlow or John Greenberg, two kids who are really, really, you know, probably top 10 players in the league, you know, that, that really helps a lot also. And,
2: you know, we asked Michael Weissman, who got the MVP trophy at the end of the game, we asked him essentially a similar question. You know, you give up a 19 point lead, how do you hang on and maintain and, and win the game? And he said, you know, we've done it all year, exactly what you just said. We've been down before. Um, you know, is it, is it good to, you know, to give up a lead? No, it, it kills your morale. But you know what? They've had to play from behind. They they were getting they were getting destroyed by North Shore. They you know down by seven points at halftime last week, which could have been, you know, a million. I mean, it was the worst quarter we had seen all year. So uh, that is that you know that is this team's M O. And you know it's interesting with the Trek tournament coming up. We'll see you know how they how they play that. Okay, so on our show, we talk all season about
0: the storylines, the rivalry between the two sides, DRS and Hafter, the fact that these two schools have done battle with each other twice within a week, uh, and Hafter has done something not done since 2002. And for those that want to know how far back that is, I played against those varsity teams. Wow. Um, so just to put it in perspective, Hafter has now, within, the la- within a week span, taken home the varsity hockey and, and varsity basketball championships. Where does this season, I mean, and they've also done it against their biggest rivals. Right. So where does this season lie in the annals of Hafter's vast and vaunted, you know, varsity history? Right, well, I mean,
1: I don't think it can get much better. I think the, the uh, Hafter basketball team now is 28-1. and one. The uh, The hockey team, I think they had... One loss all season and to T.A.B.C.
0: Was, well, uh, two, because they also lost to DRS in overtime. All right, They had
1: two losses. So a combined three losses, you know, in over 40, 50, oh, close to 50 games between the varsity school, uh, teams, the hockey and basketball. Um, we, we, we joke with Coach Honig when, when, and also with the athletic director, um, Joey Honig, after the game is that I think Hafter extended his contract another 30 yeah. years. Because, I mean, you know, what more can you do? I mean, you win championships in both and, you know, really in great games and against your biggest rival, as you said. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it doesn't get better than and that. And, you
2: know, uh, listen, not to give any team strategy, uh, obviously we do the home games for Hafter, but Hafter went out this year and they recruited uh, an assistant coach by the name of Scott Ferguson. I've spent a ton of time with him this year talking basketball. You know, they went outside the, the Jewish world. They brought in a basketball man, uh, a guy who played in college, who knows, You know, who knows the game. He came in here. He got this team conditioned. Uh, and I don't think it's any surprise that that they won the championship, you know. So when you ask like, what was the difference this year? I mean, he, you know, he's the guy that didn't touch the floor that probably made the biggest difference for this team.
0: All right. So that being the case, I wanna I wanna go back to last week because I think uh, I think that we still need to touch a little bit on the other half of it, which is the hockey half. Uh, I'm gonna start off actually with the JV because I think that that game was uh, I'm not gonna say more interesting, but a lot more. Up, up and down. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah, goals. you
2: know, it's uh, it's like it's like when you talk baseball and uh, you know the guys who like to see the one nothing pitchers duel or the ten uh, nine home run fest. Last week's game, we're talking was... we're
0: talking S A R Rambam. By the way, for those who didn't realize it, for those who didn't realize it had Frisch defeated Rombom in overtime of their semifinal game. We have, I believe, maybe the first time in history of the Yeshiva League where you have. The same four schools meeting up in the same two championships wow. uh, huh. in consecutive consecutive weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean the the thing about that first hockey game, and you hate to say it, it was flat bad. Uh, you know, neither goalie played well. There were uh, 13 goals. I mean, there were seven, seven six, six, six finals. Although although Naouets played well in the third period. He, yeah, he I mean, listen, well. he well. he you know, when he needed to. Yes, he did, yeah. and he did, and you give him credit for that. You know, listen, goalies and spots are going to play well, but. I'm also uh, going
0: to say a spot him a seven four lead. That, that's something you should feel right. comfortable in that.
2: <laughs> and Ari and I were yeah. talking about that during the game too, when we were calling it. You know, I, I said to, uh, we, we had said the next goal was going to be so important because seven uh, a seven four was just going to be insurmountable. Right. They,
1: yeah, they did all they could. But what was interesting about about that game when we discussed it on air is that Rombom seemed to have the maybe uh, cumulative of the top three players, although although Gordy Gordy Cole was in there. But S.A.R. had the better team. Yeah. They had more depth. They, they were able to roll out lines. Like I know for, uh, S, uh, for Rambam, Orlau, Lichter, and uh, I believe we were just exhausted at the end. Where S.A.R., Gordy Kolb is phenomenal. He, you know, he's actually, him and Orlau are probably the two best players in that game but they had other kids they had uh Freilish, Weiss uh, Mogilner I mean you know we were just learning hockey but those kids you know they had they rolled out other kids and they were able to be fresh throughout Yeah the game.
2: Orlau was an incredibly impressive player I mean his ability to kill penalties score shorthanded uh you know penalty killing in this league it's not like there's a million penalties you know it's not the NHL um, so it doesn't play as big of a role as it, as it might um you know in a different hockey league on another planet, but I mean, what a great penalty killer he is and he's just got a ton of offensive talent I think the interesting thing that comes out of JV, and, and we talked about it pregame at the game um, TABC, first year that they did not win a championship in six years, uh, you know a run that might never be seen again in, in Yeshiva hockey uh, so it was interesting to not see them there to open up the door for somebody else, and when you talk about the somebody else's, the two teams that played in this game both have freshman goalies uh, no, no, no. Ron Baum is a sophomore, I sophomore. Yeah, yeah. sophomore.
0: It's just their first year, first complete year in net for both of nah, Okay,
2: so, you know, so, so uh, SAR is going to bring back. Uh, well, all no, free- they Fre- 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 may not bring back
0: Nayewitz because next year they have a younger Colb coming up from SAR Junior High who will probably take over. Nayewitz is actually, as I said, as I said on oh, the previous, he was a defenseman last year for Mariah. So he'll probably go back to defense, his natural position next year.
2: That's interesting. Wow. That's interesting. So I think, you know, you probably know better than us, you saw the teams play a little bit more this year, whether or not... Uh, These will be two teams that might make their way back to that game.
0: Well, SAR, I'm going to say this. SAR, I haven't put out the rankings for next year, but SAR has to be my odds-on favorite. There were 14 freshmen on that team. Yeah, they only 17. had f-
1: like, two, like three or four sophomores. I mean, right? they
0: were they were important sophomores, Frylish, McGillner, and, uh, and Ellie Gelfand. All three played very important roles. But 14, and the main 14 also. the main right. 14, And they're getting a good crop coming in. I mean, they're not going to need it, per se, but they get a great crop.
2: You almost, you you almost wonder in. if they're going to have to cut guys who are on the team this year.
0: Uh, I don't think you can do that well I don't think they Especially do. a championship I don't think, they, I team. Don't think they care to
2: do that. I think right. if you're gonna
0: if you you'd to say hey run why it not to just, 22? Why not just bring everybody on. run right. it to
2: twenty two yeah well, r- I you r- know
0: Rambam, though Bomb is sending most of their most of their guys onto varsity next year, right they were sophomore leading, so team. the question is going to be what they can get in their recruiting class. They're going to be back near the top the r s is going to be a very good team next year. they have arguably the best goaltender in the league um I mean he's definitely definitely near the top, if not at the top of most people's lists. So the question is, can can one goalie lead an entire right. team?
2: And then of course you you know, and then of course you look at the four big schools, you know, the the you know, T A B C Frisch, uh Hafter, D R S, the schools that just every year get a ton of kids, they're, they're bigger schools, you know, what do they do? Uh, can Norman Blumenthal train another crop of kids to, you know, to just will themselves to win? It's uh, JV should be interesting. It, you know, JV plays a lot different than varsity.
0: Right. So in a few weeks uh, after after the tournament, uh, my after the tournament that we generally have, uh, I'll have a little more for everybody in terms of what classes you're getting for next year. Let's move on to the varsity game, just very quickly. I know we have to run, um, but if you're looking for almost an exact mirror of last year, right. You got it. You got a game where DRS came out hot early, put the ball to the net, you know, really controlled the first part of the game, and then just fell apart in the second half. Right, and I think
1: it was, it was, the, the dynamic was similar. DRS might have had the top two or three players, but Hafter just was able to roll more lines. They had more depth, and that really factors into a game, especially a championship game when your emotions are high to begin with. I mean, also the phenomenal goaltending by Ryan.
2: Yeah, Glock. I was going to say the same yeah, thing. He was,
1: great. Great, he was unbelievable. And also, uh, Gutenmacher, I believe, was his name for for DRS. Which Ari was Gutenmacher, yes. Right, well, he no, was great. Gooch. Gooch. I know he's good. He was great as well. But I mean, Ryan Glock really stepped up, and then. They just had, they were able to roll Fader, Kirstein, Schechter, um, Berger, Weissner. I mean, Honestly,
0: it's days. ironic that you mentioned those three players first because those three players. Oh, and if you want to include Berger in that argument, you also can. But those three players, like like we said last week, we've been saying all year, they didn't start their careers at Hampton. Right. <laughs> they started them at DRS, right. and Berger's a Halb guy.
2: Right, yeah. exactly. You know, I, and you talk about the goaltending of Ryan Gluck. I think it's interesting when you pull out the goaltending of the game and, and just isolate it, you say, well, what happened? Well, Gluck gave up a terrible early goal. That he was probably screened on, and and went off off a face. I mean, it was a weird, it was a weird goal, and then didn't go give up a goal for the rest of the game. And it didn't feel that way, you know. It didn't feel like that this game was a a, a, like a goalie game, you know, one of the one of the great goaltending games for a championship. But that's that's what it was. I mean, that's that's really what it came down to—a very low-scoring game. You know, uh, it it was tied in the end, and you had a feeling it was just going to be that one goal game. Whoever was going to put it in there was going to take it home.
1: I'm sorry, Jay. The one thing that we notice about hockey is that the emotion of these kids, that it's unbelievable. I mean, they just give. They throw their bodies around. They do everything they can, and they— they just want to win so bad. But what's also great is that they're really all friends, especially when you have a DRS half. where you know right. you have the rivalry. I mean, it's like these kids go to camp together. You know, for for the most part, they
2: go to school together. Right. see Each
1: other every week. So it really just you know it, they leave it on the on the court and they do everything they can. But after the game, you know, they're friends and they, they, they just enjoy being around each other. Well,
0: if you listen to the game tonight, you sort of think that they want that have to wanted to dredge up the old hockey memories right away. <laughs> uh, they brought bringing the trophy right. in and uh, and starting the chance of you can't beat us and, and uh, hockey. It seemed as if they wanted to. On just a little bit about last week, right?
2: That's yeah. what's fun. I mean, that's what's fun about it. You know, you gotta, you gotta have fun with it. This is, uh, you know, certainly you go to school, these kids go to school from seven and change in the morning until five o'clock at night. This is what they have. You know, this is the free time. This is the. Uh, this is a, and this is what there is to brag about. The, you know the, the high school athletics. We've talked about it a million times on air. These are the best moments of these kids' lives. Uh, you know the the coach of DRS came in here, uh, Coach Stein, before the game to tell us, you know, that he played in a championship 43, believe, years, 43 ago. years ago. 43 <laughs> years ago. And and that's and that was his message to his kids in the locker room that in 45 years you will be talking right. to your friends about this. Maybe not his team now. Right. But, uh, but certainly. Well, they the, may change the outcome. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, certainly, you know, the Hawks who uh, who won and. Um,
0: Certain names might be changed to protect the innocent. Exactly,
2: right, exactly. exactly. But okay. also, that was, there was
1: also just great coaching, especially in this, this uh, uh, basketball that we saw. Like, you know, I'm saying because kids, these teams were down in double digits in both games, and their kids came back, and that's a testament to the coaches on both sides.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, thank you very much for, for joining me tonight. I know I've kept you a little long, but I think that this was a very, very important session for all of us, and I think that the listeners will absolutely love it. Thank you very much, guys. Have a all great right. night. Our thank pleasure. You. And
2: Ellie, I look forward to uh, meeting up with you in the uh, men's hockey league in the upcoming weeks. Yeah,
0: when do we finish? I know it's not tomorrow night. I'm, I'm eight. Okay, I'm six. So, so probably so. three weeks. Yeah, I, something like that. Something like that. Looking forward to it, Jay. See you then. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Ari. You are listening to the court report on the Nakam Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League Sports. We are. Sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Uh, as you just heard, that was the interview that I conducted with uh, Jay Aaron and uh, Ari Witkus, the broadcasters for the JVM Varsity uh, Basketball and Hockey Championship Games. Uh, that was done this past Sunday following the Varsity Championship Game. Uh, I have to, I apologize. Uh, uh, congratulations to Joey Honig and the Hafter family for doubling up uh, Joey, the basketball coach. And congratulations once again to to uh, Benji Davidman and Noel Weinreich, the hockey coaches. Uh, as I mentioned on the show uh, or on the in the interview, uh, strangely enough, we were that close to not only having a, a – double up in champions sar being that close to to uh, also taking the jv making sar the dual jv champions and after the dual uh, the dual varsity champions but we were that close to having the same matchups for all four well not for all four games but the same matchups in jv and the same matchups in varsity which would made very interesting uh very interesting conversation i don't think it's ever happened before i i Did not really get a chance to check because the truth is, up until this, you know, up until it happened last Tuesday, it wasn't really conceivable that it was going to happen. You know, you had people that thought Frisch was going to make it. You had people that Mm -hmm. thought that Northwell could have upset uh, Hafter if uh, Perlow wasn't at 100%. So people really, at least I didn't take uh, enough time to really think about whether or not that was that was something that. you know, that to, to check into, but uh, if it if it had turned out, then I, I think that it would have been a very interesting case study into the history of the Yeshiva League, okay, so now that we've done with the boys, let's, we'll come back to, baske, to boys basketball in a minute, let's just move on to the girls, because two of the three girls leagues have already completed theirs as well, I believe two of the three, I'm not quite sure about Varsity B, because, they well no they spoke that game is well that was last night i don't quite have a result for them yet i know girls varsity a uh last last thursday night the second game of the doubleheader uh, the Girls' Varsity uh, Ramaz Rams, repeated as champions, defeating Brewery of 46-21. So congratulations to the Ramaz family for their doubling up, uh, given uh, their championship from last year as well. And congratulations to Mayanote, the Mayanote JV Rapids, um, getting there a little bit of a measure of revenge from the SAR Sting, defeating SAR 41-29 to 29 in the JV portion of that day. So another rematch from last year, Mayanote and SAR, uh, and this one coming out in Maya Note's favor. So with that done, girls' varsity B, which was last night, hopefully we'll have a result for you for that next week. Uh, that was between Ska and Bruria, the winner of the two semifinal games against the teams that had that really, really interesting showdown uh, in the three-wave tiebreaker game. So now that we've gotten most of that done, let's go back to boys' uh to boys' varsity and just take out take away the top, the final top twenty-five of the Yeshiva League season. So... Obviously, we're going to have a new, a new. We had a new poll coming out today, but let's take last week's first. Next week, we will, will hopefully have uh, a new one with Sarachek, uh, 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 you know, interspersed through it. But at the top, Hafter at number one, DRS at number two. You can imagine that's going to stay the same, given how that and given how Sunday ended up. Uh, Frisch at the three, North Shore at the four. So Yeshiva League one through four, the finalists at the top two, semifinalists three and four. Uh, new five uh, with Beth. Beth uh, uh sorry, no, actually they've been there for quite a bit sometimes, it's just, it's just been a while since Eula dropped out. Beth Tfilah, new, new Jew, Heschel at 7, TABC at 8, Eula at 9, Jewish, uh, Jewish Day School of Rockville, Maryland at 10. Other Yeshiva League participants in the top 25, you have Hillel at 13, Ramaz at 17, JEC at 19, and... Everybody else pretty much dropped out. Oh, sorry, Mac and David at 23. Everybody else nearby pretty much dropped out as the other teams went through their playoffs. So, uh, congratulations to, to all the Yeshiva League teams that finished in the top 25. Uh, definitely hard earned, uh, hard fought, hard earned accomplishment for this year, where it just seems like the Yeshiva League was just, a little bit more above the pack, and this really stood out. But um, I guess we'll get the chance to see that this coming week, because starting this Thursday is Sarachek. So let's let's just get down to our Sarachek, uh, uh, just a little bit about Sarachek, a little bit of a Sarachek preview. In our last few minutes of the show, we'll just do a little bit about Sarachek, uh, and then we'll get more in-depth on it next week. So let's just take a look at what's going on this coming week. So all 20 teams were announced, and the seeding were as follows. One through four were Frisch, DRS, Beth Tfila, and Hafter. Those four teams will receive buys to Friday's action. On Thursday, the following 16 teams will all be in play. Eula, Rajji, uh, Valley shall have it. Hillel, Weinbaum, Ida Crown, and Mimo will all be in action to determine the first round, uh, the first round quarterfinalists and the, uh, sorry, the tier one quarterfinalists and the tier two brackets as well. Uh, behind them, uh, David Poznack Jewish Day School, uh, Fuchs Mizrahi, uh, MTA and Barron, uh, Atlanta Jewish Academy, Hebrew Academy of Montreal, or Chaim B'nai Akiva, and Akiva Hebrew Day School will round out the seating. So taking a look at what's going on on Thursday, uh, starting uh, the day off will be the Tier 3 qualifiers with Fuchs Mizrahi. And uh, Yeshivat Orchaim, or Baron, uh, it was this Tier 2 qualifiers, I'm sorry. Yux Mizrahi, Yeshivat Orchaim at 10 o'clock. 11.30 will be the Baron Academy against Atlanta Jewish Academy. And at 1 o'clock will be, uh, will be the Poznak Jewish Day School against Akiva Hebrew Day School. And then uh, starting uh, the early afternoon, we'll have two Tier 1 qualifier action between Eula and MIMO, number 5 Eula and number 12 MIMO. And number six Rashi and number eleven Ida Crown. Then we'll head back out, as usual, MTA having the five thirty Thursday slot for whenever they're on Thursday schedule. So we'll bounce back out to another Tier Two qualifier with MTA and Hebrew Academy of Montreal. And then we'll go back to the to the Tier One qualifiers with Valley Torah and Weinbaum at seven and shall have it and Hillel at eight thirty. If you go to MaxLive.com, you'll be able to see all the uh, all the action up to date. They'll have the they'll have the game stream. Last year, I, I I was fortunate enough to get to call a game on Saturday night. It was a lot of fun. I, I really had a great time. Wish I could be doing it again this year. There's just no time for me given everything that I'm involved with, and uh, it, it's it's sad because it really was a fun thing to just get behind a mic and actually do a broadcast. Uh, but good luck to uh, good luck to Benny Statman. Good luck to the entire crew, Moshe Cook. Uh, we'll have uh, one of them will probably be on uh, the Nahum uh, on Nachum's uh, show on Jame and the AM at some point this week so stay tuned for that um, probably Thursday morning day of but you never know maybe they'll go tomorrow morning um, it all depends on the schedule that's available to them go to maxlive.com so you can follow the schedule as it goes along because every day they'll find out exactly what's going on in terms of the schedule in terms of the seating who's facing who you don't want to miss out on any of the action it'll be streamed live uh, just have you your phone with you have a computer with you all leading up to big sunday and championship monday when we will finish off the yeshiva league winter season uh so looking forward to that we will have our show next week pretty much dedicated to sarachek whether or not it's a full hour will will uh, pretty much be determined by whether or not we can actually get somebody else on to talk about it with me um i, I think it's i think it's a it's a very good event a big event and i'd love to get as much as i can in on that so hopefully next week that'll be our sole focus and then we're actually going to wrap up our show for the season it's sad to note but this is this is going to be it next week is it for us uh, at the court report for the winter season uh there will be some special shows coming up over the spring um there'll be you know hockey's going to have its all-star game uh the Esther Selman Memorial All-Star Game on, uh, the 20, I believe the 26th of April. So there may be a special show leading up to that. We'll figure it out over the next couple of, uh, the next couple of weeks, but uh, at least not till after Pesach. So next week we will, uh, we'll pretty much uh, wrap up our court report session, it it said. And uh, I have a lot of fun doing this, and I thank you all for tuning in. But that's more for next week. So, um, until then, next week, please listen in as we go through Sarachek and any remaining things we may have from the Yeshiva League season. If you missed... Any part of this or any episode this season, you can also catch the encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Or you can find the court report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app tomorrow morning, J.M. in the A.M. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream nachumsiegel.com or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM Rockland County. They're in the midst of their marathon, so please give. Uh, as I said on the show last week, uh, when I was on the, on the air live please give because it is a very worthwhile venture it is so important to have to have a voice for the Jewish community and to be kept up to date on what's going on around the world in all things Kalal Yisrael. Please give generously. Please help keep us all going and keep us all in the air, giving you the latest in not only Yeshiva League sports at home, but also with the news that goes on with our nation around the world. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on the Jam and the AM uh, program around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning Jam and the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. Let's get the number up, guys. Uh, again, see you next week for our final show of the season, right here on the Court Report, only on the Knockham Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of the Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com.